time keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you this morning. Praise be to God. Thursday, October the 6th, 2022, on the feast day of Blessed Maria Rose Doucher, a virgin, and uh, let's pray for her intercession today. We're going to have a great conversation with John Horvat this hour, coming up at 35 past the hour, begging the question, does blasphemy of a U.S. president invite God's wrath upon the nation or the world? We're going to have that conversation. Join us if you can. Also, the FBI is at it again. An 87-year-old concentration camp survivor, actually, among 11 other pro-lifers, have been hit with federal charges in a latest FBI crackdown routine. One of them actually had their house raided as well. We'll cover that at 15 past the hour. Hector Molina is going to be on with us at the top of the next hour to cover the Sunday gospel. So please do join us if you can in the next hour. So many stories in the news. Get ready. Your gas prices are going back up. Just when we thought... We would have some relief. The OPEC alliance has uh, announced two mil. I think it's uh, two million barrels of oil cut. They're they're slashing the production. Uh, that's going to cause you to go up. But don't worry. I'm sure the federal government will finally get around to uh, you know drilling and exploring more. Possibly. Oh wait, no. They're just going to use more of our strategic oil. Never mind. Hey, the court rules that uh, it's a federal court had a rule that the Obama era DACA amnesty program is unlawful. Although they're going to give a pass to the first six hundred thousand who are already here. Hey, a man who killed the retired police captain David Dorn during the 2020 summer riots. You might remember this. This was kind of a big deal back in 2020. There was video of this happening. Horrible thing. Well, that gentleman, uh, some say, some would say I shouldn't call him a gentleman. He has now been sentenced to life in prison. And then there was a horrible story out of Thailand. More than 30 people have lost their life. Uh, most of them were kids, in fact. It was a gunman and uh, used a gun and a knife uh, to attack these children. He also slaughtered his own family before committing suicide, according to Thai police. Please keep all of them and their repose in your prayers today. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Good news, huh? Uh, I suppose so. You, you, I mean, you must have good news. <laughs> uh, I do have a piece of good news here. And, uh, you know, you got to call a win for a win. Oh, yeah. And, Praise uh, be to God. Well, President Biden. Uh-huh. He said that uh, DeSantis was doing I a good s- job. I so. saw that story. Did well, you did you see the f bomb uh, audio leak story as well? I did, but I, yeah. I didn't report on that one. It was good. That's, <laughs> I wasn't going to either. But just if we're going to talk about news coming out of Florida with Joe Biden, but I did find that very interesting. He gave praise to. I mean, hats off to him, right? I know, right? Kudos. Yeah. yeah. Well, well done. Praise be to God. Speaking of people who need to hear good news, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. I'm in desperate need. Yeah. Of good news. I can tell. Please. I can tell. Deliver me good news. Mm, well. No, praise be to God, it's good to be here. Yeah. It is, despite is it? the fact that uh, people are getting murdered across the world. It's horrible. It is horrible. But Remi- yeah, it's nonetheless still good to be here. It reminded me of Our Lady of Revelation, uh, who appeared to Bruno Cornicolia back in 1947 in a little cave outside Tre Fontane, Rome. And uh, she warned that the, de- the days would be coming 
where great chastisement would arise, and the sign was when priests no longer wore their habits, no longer wore their cassocks. This would be a great sign of a lack of charity, and there would be a great evil when people would give themselves over to uh, uh, the devil and his wiles and the corruption of society. Uh, are we living that now? Some would say. Some would say that's possibly true. But she also tells us in that uh, incredible series of revelations from uh, 1947 all the way to 2001 when he died, that the answer is always to live holiness. So it's live in a state of grace. You know, but to share the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. That she was very specific about that part too. By the way, I may uh, cover that more in the coming days. As I'm going to be delivering a series of speeches in New Hampshire this month, I'm covering a lot of that information there. But let's pray. Let's jump in. We have a lot to cover today. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection implored the uh, implored thy help or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Thursday, October 6th, and here are your headlines this morning. Uh, Brown News reports OPEC agrees to sharply cut oil output in blow to Biden. The OPEC alliance of crude producing countries has agreed to deep cuts in oil output, providing a likely floor to falling prices and delivering a blow to U.S. President Joe Biden's pleas for the cartel to boost production to help quell soaring inflation. Now, if you have to read between the lines here, actually, they've already been outputting a lot more than normal. So essentially, they're going back to their normal output. At a press conference following OPEC's meeting, Saudi Arabian Energy Minister Prince Abdullah, I'm not going to, Bin Salman, <laughs> I'm just going to say Bin Salman, dismissed suggestions from reporters that the cuts could be seen as belligerent, arguing instead that the decision is meant to provide stability to oil markets. The Daily Wire reports UK to propose asylum ban on English Channel migrants. British Interior Minister Suella Braverman set out plans for new powers which would ban migrants who cross the English Channel from claiming asylum. More than 30,000 people have, been, have made the crossing in small boats so far this year, already surpassing last year's record. Government officials have warned that the total could reach 60,000 by the end of 2022. Ground News also reports Ukraine's central bank governor tenders resignation, citing health reasons. He says, quote, I have submitted my resignation letter and asked the president of Ukraine to accept it, unquote. Ukraine National Bank Governor Krylio Shevchenko said in a statement on his Facebook page. Any changes at the head of the central bank are closely followed by Ukraine's Western allies, appointed in 2020 after his predecessor resigned, citing political pressure. And the Washington Times reports best before labels scrutinized as food waste concerns grow. There's a growing momentum to standardize the language on date labels to help educate buyers about food waste, including a push from big grocers and food companies, as well as bipartisan legislation in Congress. Uh, most people believe that if it says sell by or best by or expiration, you can't eat any of them. And that's not actually accurate, said Richard Lipset who owns a grocery outlet store in Pleasanton, California, that specializes in discount food. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you.
just saw that Kanye West is wearing a St. Therese of the Sioux shirt, which is pretty cool. But anyway, the saint of the day is St. Bruno, born in 1030. Bruno was born in Cologne of the prominent Hartenfaust family. He studied at the cathedral school at Reims, and on his return to Cologne about 1055, was ordained and became a canon at St. Cunebert's. He returned to Reims in 1056 as professor of theology and became head of the school the following year. And he remained there until 1074 when he was appointed chancellor of Reims by its archbishop Manassas. Bruno was forced to flee Reims when he and several other priests denounced Manassas in 1076 as unfit for the office of papal legate. Bruno later returned to Cologne but went back to Reims in 1080 when Manassas was deposed. And though the people of Reims wanted to make Bruno archbishop, he decided to pursue an eremitical life. He became a hermit under Abbot St. Robert of Molesmes, who later founded Chateau, and then moved to Grenoble with six companions in 1084. They were assigned a place for their hermitages in a desolate mountainous alpine area called La Grande Chartreuse by Bishop St. Hugh of Grenoble, whose confessor Bruno became. They built an oratory and individual cells roughly followed the rule of St. Benedict and thus became the Carthusian order. They embraced a life of poverty, manual work, prayer, and transcribing manuscripts, though as yet they had no written rule. The fame of the group and their founders spread, and in 1090, Bruno was brought to Rome against his wishes by Pope Urban II, who he had taught at Reims as papal advisor in the Reformation of the clergy. Bruno persuaded Urban to allow him to resume his eremitical state. He founded St. Mary's at Le Torre in Calabria and declined the Pope's offer of the Archbishopric of Reggio. He became a close friend of Count Robert of Sicily and remained there until his death on October 6th. He wrote several commentaries on the Psalms and St. Paul's epistles, and he was never formally canonized because of the Carthusians' aversion to public honors. But Pope Leo X granted the Carthusians permission to celebrate his feast in 1514, and his name was placed in the Roman calendar in 1623. His feast day is today, October 6th. This saint has the honor of having founded a religious order which, as the saying goes, has never had to be reformed because it was never deformed. No doubt both the founder and the members would reject such high praise, but it is an indication of the saint's intense love of a penitential life in solitude, and it remained true of never being reformed until 1969. He died October 6, 1101. Saint Bruno, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 13. Jesus said to his disciples, Suppose one of you has a friend, to whom he goes at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived at my house from a journey, and I have nothing to offer him. And he says in reply from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children and I are already in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, if he does not get up, to give him the loaves because of their friendship, he will get up to give him whatever he needs because of his persistence. And I tell you, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, 
and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you would hand his son a snake when he asks for a fish? Or hand him a scorpion when he asks for an egg? If you then, who are wicked, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Ghost to those who ask him? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Hadox Commentary says, uh, This parable is not found in any one of the evangelists, except here in St. Luke. Our Savior, having taught his disciples the uh, aforesaid form of prayer, which we covered yesterday, the Our Father, now shows them the utility and efficacy of prayer in general. He wishes to inculcate the necessity of perseverance in prayer. Thus also the Almighty wishes to be importuned. He wishes us to pray with zeal and perseverance. This is the model we ought to follow. God would not exhort us so earnestly to pray unless he was ready to grant our petitions. Let us blush at our sloth. He is more ready to give than we are ready to receive. That was also a quoting there from the last part from St. Austin. Uh, the Ignatius Catholic Commentary points out that uh, the parable advocates perseverance in prayer. We've said that so that God's children learn to approach him repeatedly with daily concerns. It's not that God needs to be informed of our needs, but that we must realize our total dependence upon him for everything. Close quote, Ignatius Catholic Commentary. Going back to Hadock again, and this is what I like, because oftentimes we pray but don't receive anything, right? We don't hear any response. Hadock's Commentary points it out. How come it is to pass, then, that many pray and receive not? To this we answer, that if they approach in a proper manner and observe the necessity, uh, the necessary conditions of the petition, they will undoubtedly receive what they ask for. But if, on the contrary, they deviate from this rule and ask not as they ought, they will not receive. Because, as St. James says, you ask and receive not, because you ask amiss. By asking for things that are prejudicial or uh, prejudicial to your well-being, or if uh, for spiritual blessings, you do not receive them on account of your evil motives. Close quote, Hadox Commentary. So are you asking for something that's not good for you? Don't do that. Stop that. Stop that. Align your will and your priorities with God's will and his priorities, and as St. Therese of the Little Flower would say, you're going to get everything you want, right? Meditate on that today. We'll be right back. What's Concerning Us is coming up next. Many atheists assert the only real form of knowledge is scientific knowledge, thus excluding any sort of religious knowledge, whether philosophical or theological. Such a belief is called scientism, and it's unreasonable for two reasons. First, it's self-refuting. Its truth cannot be verified by the scientific method. It's a metaphysical proposition, and as such, is not scientific knowledge. But if science can't verify the truth of scientism, well then, scientism itself cannot be a legitimate form of knowledge, in which case, it's self-refuting. Moreover, scientism undermines science as a rational form of inquiry because it denies presupposed philosophical assumptions that are necessary to even do science, such as there's an external world outside the minds of scientists. 
So to reject God's existence on the grounds that it's not scientific knowledge is simply unreasonable. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Hi, this is Carrie Beatley. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 1130 for the march. And everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about how America's abortion king pushed the lie of abortion on the American people. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, John Horvat, Vice President of the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, is going to be our guest. He's got an article out over at LifeSite News on blasphemy, specifically uh, the effects of when a U.S. president commits blasphemy, especially one who claims to be Catholic. We're going to have a conversation around that. In the next segment, do join us if you can. We'd be very grateful. But there are lots of stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. Something we've been talking a lot about the last week and a half here, and that is the, the use of FBI agents to intimidate and pressure pro-life uh, activists, pro-life prayer warriors, uh, and the like. Well, there's another story out today. Live Action is reporting this. So is uh, LifeSite. Uh, a t- ton of people are. I saw it over at Life News as well. But here's the article from LiveAction.org. Headline says, FBI charges multiple individuals for peaceful protests at abortion facility. It says, in early March of 2021, a group of individuals committed to saving the lives of preborn children visited the Carafem abortion facility in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, as a part of a rescue. An event meant to reach women seeking abortion to persuade them to choose life for their preborn children instead. Uh, today, October the 5th, 2022, that event of more than a year ago culminated in a visit from the FBI to at least one of the activists' home. Other individuals who either participated or were merely present at the facility that day were ordered to report to their local authorities to be charged under the Federal FACE or the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act along with charges of conspiracy. The event in March 2021 was reportedly peaceful, with participants lining the inside hallway of a shared general medical office building, which, in one area, houses the Carafem abortion facility. The rescuers who were gathered that day prayed and, uh, prayed and sang, and the event was nonviolent. Some recorded the events in, on video. Several participants were arrested by local police that day and were later released after posting bail for misdemeanor trespass charges. A pro-life activist, A.J. Hurley, spoke to Live Action News regarding today's FBI activities, noting that, according to the neighbors of pro-life rescue activist Chester Chet Gallagher, Gallagher was out of the state when the FBI arrived with guns drawn, and entered the Gallagher home. When arrests, when agents uh, rather learned Gallagher was not at home, they reportedly attempted to gain information on his whereabouts from his neighbors. The Mount Juliet rescue was reportedly one of the three led by Gallagher at different abortion facilities across the country last year. 
Hurley said other individuals were, quote, called by the FBI, telling them that they had arrest warrants and had to turn themselves in, close quote. A press release from the Department of Justice named 11 individuals who are all being charged with conspiracy against rights secured by the FACE Act and committed FACE Act violations. Chester Gallagher, uh, Heather uh, Edoni, Calvin Zastrow, and uh, Caroline Davis. Uh, let's see here. Coleman Boyd, uh, Dennis Green, Virginia and Paul Vaughn, as well as Eva A. Edel. She's 87 years old, by the way, Eva is. Uh, and she is a survivor of a concentration camp. Uh, so that's fun. She's not, uh, she's no stranger to this kind of difficulty. And she's, in fact, seen much worse. She's also been arrested on multiple occasions for trying to save babies because she thinks abortion is murder and it's bad. And there's always a better choice. And she has uh, been spending her life to try to make that happen. Others like uh, Eva Zastrow was there and uh, James Zastrow. Uh, let's see, Paul and uh, let's see, Paul and yeah, Paul is Paul P- Place was the name there. So those are the names of the people who've been charged. The article goes on to say that the, the release notes that all affidavits will have appearances scheduled in U.S. District Court in Nashville at a later date. The release details the charges in the indictment. So What's interesting about this is, one, there was a raid on at least one of their homes. The Chet got raided, although he wasn't home at the time. Same treatment as Mark Houck. I was happy to hear that the others just got a phone call. I mean, like, college you wears. That's all you got to do. I'm sure every one of these people volunteered themselves over without incident or issue. Um, why can't we just do that as the norm if this is the, the way you want to go? This is the, uh, the road you want to go down, so to speak. The uh, the release statement says this, quote, the indictment alleges that beginning in February 2021, Chester Gallagher utilized social media to promote a series of anti-abortion events scheduled for March 4 through 7, 2021 in the Nashville area. Other co-conspirators then utilized Facebook to coordinate travel and logistics and to identify other participants for the blockade. On March 4, 2021, Coleman Boyd and Chester Gallagher advertised a blockade of the Carafam Health Center Clinic in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, which was planned for the following day. In his social media post, Gallagher referred to the blockade as a rescue. Boyd also began a Facebook live stream uh, broadcast uh, of the clinic blockade at 7.45 a.m. on March 5, 2021. The live stream broadcast was titled, in part, Mount Juliet, Tennessee Rescue, March 5, 2021 and live-streamed the blockade event as his co-conspirators and others blocked the clinic's entry doors and prevented a patient and an employee from entering. The live-stream also broadcast members of the group attempting to engage a patient and her companion as Boyd told his live-stream audience that the patient was a mom coming to kill her baby, close quote. The FBI isn't even performing the investigations, said Hurley. The DOJ is doing their own investigation with the FBI. The article goes on to say, Hurley added, this is a new tactic the DOJ has been throwing at pro-lifers to see if the charges stick. However, the DOJ press release claims this case was investigated by the FBI and is being prosecuted by the Civil Rights Coordinator of the U.S. Attorney's Office and Trial Attorneys of the Department of Civil Rights Division, adding... An indictment is merely an accusation. All defendants are presumed innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. 
These FBI arrests are the most recent in a line of targeted attacks, and they go on to talk about uh, the Markow case, something we've covered quite a bit on this show. Yesterday, in fact, I, re- I released, uh, I shared with you rather some newer information. If you missed that, check out the podcast. You can go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT to find that. I read to you yesterday the article from the Federalist Society. This article over at liveaction.org uh, says, Hurley told Live Action News that just weeks ago, he and some other individuals visited the building that houses the Mount Juliet Carafem abortion facility remaining outside and asked to speak to the officer inside. They allegedly came out and spoke with Hurley. And just three days later, Hurley and other present were served with civil face act charges, though they never even entered the building. That's the article over at liveaction.org. So there's the thing. There is the thing, isn't it? They are going to leverage the power of the Department of Justice and all of their resources to intimidate pro-lifers. In that last instance there, Hurley never even entered the building, and yet he was charged with a FACE Act. They came out and talked to him, and he's facing a FACE Act violation. You're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines. If convicted, you're talking prison time. Could be years. In Mark Houck's case, I think he was facing or is facing 11 years in prison and $350,000 in fines. I don't know what their particular uh, fines are or what their prison time may look like in the, in this case. But nonetheless, it seems to me that there is a strong arm tactic being placed here upon pro-lifers. So then the question, you know, will pro-lifers still could go out? How many pro-lifers at this point will say to themselves, is it worth the trouble? Do they want to potentially be arrested, have their homes raided by the FBI, face prison time, and even hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines? What would that do to their family? Would that uh, mean very difficult days ahead for their family if they should continue to go to pray, to protest, to encourage the moms to consider a better option? There was a bit of debate in this particular story about uh, just how aggressive these pro-life protesters became during their protest that day. The FBI certainly painting it in one uh, way. However, other articles, for instance, I, the Daily Wire and the LifeSide News article, all suggest that it wasn't quite what the press release said from the FBI. There wasn't language used to say, hey, you know, don't, this mom's going in there to kill their baby. You know, that was not said, but rather encouraging words were used to try to, to say, listen, there's a better option. There's always a better option, which has always been my experience, especially around Catholic pro-lifers. I have been, uh, around, uh, pro-life protests where there have been people on bullhorns screaming and shouting, abortion is murder. I've seen that. But it's almost never a Catholic doing it. It's almost always a Protestant fundamentalist doing that. And I've also, because I've been on the other side of this equation, having driven a girl to an abortion who gets someone to go, I mean, yeah, it'll plant a seed in their mind. I do agree. It gives you something to wrestle with in your mind, but it almost never convinces them to not the type of Mark Houck who is there to pray, to encourage, 
to incentivize, to say, hey, listen, there's a better way. There's a better option. In fact, I thought I did see an article of one of the families that Mark was able to engage with and convince that they should consider saving their child. They have come out now and made public statements in support of Mark Houck and his family. So here we are seeing this trend. 87-year-old concentration camp survivor was among those that were arrested and is now facing a uh, a face act violation. Could you imagine going to prison at 87 again? <laughs> I mean, this is a woman who's already been there. She's already done that. I think she was in a Yugoslavian concentration camp, if I'm not mistaken. She's also been arrested many times for trying to save babies. And at the end of the day, one could sit here and argue, but Joe, they in this case, they blocked the door. Okay, fair enough. Let me ask you a question. If at the judgment, when you are facing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, do you want to say that you could have done more and didn't? Because you were afraid of fines in prison? It's something I think about all the time. Just how committed I am, am I to this whole evangelize the world and be charitable to your neighbor. Do what you can. I don't know, but it's something for me to think about. And I'm, some, I'm sure it's something for you to think about, too. Don't go anywhere. John Horvat is coming up next. We're going to talk about blasphemy. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic view of marriage may be an ideal, but it cannot be a reality? Well, G.K. Chesterton says, it is an ideal in a diseased society. It is a reality in a healthy society. For where it is real, it makes society healthy. We know we cannot make a perfectly healthy society because while we believe in marriage and the church, we also believe in something called the fall of man, which also has an effect on society. But the point is that we believe not just in an ideal, but in something practical. Practical in the sense that we want to make something. We want to create Christian families as opposed to those who are always ready to destroy the family, who give up on the ideal and give in to whatever is easiest at the moment. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Hi, this is Suchaditi Byrne. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men, gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 11.30 a.m. for the march. Everyone else, show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about the urgent need to be actively pro-life and pro-eternal life. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and please spread the word. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now more headlines. The Daily Wire reports, Biden praises DeSantis for remarkable response to Hurricane Ian, saying, I think he's done a good job. What the governor's done is pretty remarkable, Biden admitted while surveying the damage caused by Hurricane Ian, continuing, I think he's done a good job. Biden took significant heat last week after he avoided reaching out to DeSantis ahead of the hurricane, making landfall despite finding time to reach out to several local mayors. Catholic News Agency reports, Philly Synod artwork misrepresented our views, Catholic students say. Artwork based on a listening session for Philadelphia-area Catholic University students drew global comment and criticism after it was shared on Vatican social media. We talked about this uh, last week. We thought it was misrepresenting what we stand for. Sean Smith, a student who is an active member of the Catholic Newman Center at Westchester University in, in West in 
at Westchester University said. Smith objected that the artistic image misleadingly used his likeness, and that the likeness of fellow students he knew were also used. Smith identified himself as a student portrayed as wearing a cross and holding a microphone. He said he was wrongly labeled as a Christian life community leader when he has no association with that student group. The artist depicted four out of five of us with false identities, seemingly to fit a more inclusive and skewed agenda. He said. Furthermore, a woman next to Smith was drawn with her real-life features, except she was drawn as a person of color and labeled as a graduate student when she was a white undergraduate student. And the Epic Times reports election software CEO arrested over data theft and storing data on servers in China. The head of Conic Group, a Michigan-based software company, was arrested on October 4th for allegedly stealing and storing personal data of Los Angeles County election workers on servers in China. Eugene Yu, 51, was arrested in Michigan on charges of stealing the personal identifying information of Los Angeles County electors. According to the Los Angeles DA's office, Connick won a five-year, $2.9 million contract with Los Angeles County in 2020 for election worker management systems named Poll Chief Software that was used by the county in the last California election. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Joining us right now is the Vice President of the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, Mr. John Horvath. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning. Great to be on the show. Yeah, thanks for for being on with us today. Just、uh, was it yesterday or the day before marked 100 days since the Dobbs decision came down from the U.S. Supreme、mm-hmm. Court overturning Roe v. Wade, sending the issue back to the states. Something we've been talking quite a bit about on the program.、Uh, but on that day, you have a contrast. You have the U.S. bishops praising that, but then you have、uh, Joe Biden,、uh, someone who purports to be a committed Catholic. Claiming that the church no longer really is against abortion, so it's a very interesting contrast, to be sure. And you have an article out over at LifeSite News covering blasphemy and why his statements are blasphemous. Can we start, sir, with maybe you can define terms? What is、uh, what is blasphemy? What does one have to do to commit blasphemy? Right,、uh, the sin of blasphemy occurs when someone、uh, takes. Uh, from the honor due to God or to the Blessed Mother or the Holy Mother Church, and attributes it attributes something to God that does not belong to Him, or especially sinful actions or actions that are not proper to God. And so, in this particular case,、um, it's it's、uh, he commits blasphemy by attributing those sinful positions of uh, t- uh, to uh, to to Holy Mother Church. And、uh, it's usually something that is spoken or somehow manifested in public. So that, that those are the characteristics of blasphemy. What constitutes blasphemy? You know, I find it fascinating on a number of levels. One, because it seems crazy to me how every single time a politician, whether it's this one or some other one,、uh, they can pretty much say whatever they want, and whether or not it's true, almost doesn't matter anymore because. Uh, nobody facts check. Nobody's fact checking it. No, I mean that the listener, the average hearer of this information, isn't going to go verify through the catechism of the Catholic Church, for instance.、Um, mm-hmm. uh, d- could you speculate for me how many how many people do you think are misled by、uh, President Biden's statement on abortion in the Catholic Church? Yeah, that's a very good question. I think.、Uh... Among pro-life Catholics, obviously they are, they see right through it. But for the, let's say for the the general run-of-the-mill Catholic that、uh, 
just uh, goes to Sunday mass or uh, tends to be liberal. Um, sure, they 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 may say they they may say, well, I haven't I haven't heard the priest speak against abortion for years, so maybe we have changed the um, we have changed our position with that 15 weeks is no longer uh, you know is is no longer a sin and no longer against the law of God. So yeah, I think it's probably a good portion of your church going public, especially those who who favor some who favor some kind of abortion. So we're probably talking about you know, over 50 percent, the, the those who vo- who vote for, let's say, the president, 50, 50, you know, somewhere around that area. Mm. Yeah, I feel like it's uh, further causing division. Another thing I always see is uh, too many Catholics, uh, certainly not all, but too many Catholics side more with their political party than they do with the Catholic faith. Um, and in this case, this statement is going to further that divide. More and more people simply going with whatever their party is telling them to go with, irregardless of how the Catholic Church teaches on um, related issues. Now, as far as that goes, do you see any movement within the within the body to uh, consult their faith more than their political party in that regard? No, I mean, and, and the proof is that this statement, which is a blatant statement against Catholic Church teaching, and and is further aggravated by the fact that it's blasphemous, uh, did not really get any response from the bishops. This should have been something, you know, right away within within twenty twenty four hours, within twelve hours, they they should have been on this and say this misrepresents the teachings of the church. This is offensive to God, offensive to our 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 Catholic identity, uh, this wasn't done. So if, if only in one or two or three bishops had said something, you know, very strongly, mm-hmm. um, it would have probably, it, well, at least it would have been something, but we're not seeing that. It should have been a, an over a great reaction. Well, Mr. Horvat, you know, that make, brings up a really good point. And that is the kind of attitude that most people have about blasphemy that it's not that big of a deal. You know, it's like, okay, well, I, I hear people curse all the time. It's not a big deal. People say things, but they don't really mean it. Uh, so why is uh, why should we take blasphemy more seriously? Right. So, blasphemy is a very great, it's the greatest sin against the faith. And it's St. Thomas says it is a sin against the faith uh, because it disparages um, uh, the goodness of God. It is directed against God. And so, you know, it's as surprising as it may sound, it is even a greater sin than abortion or willful, mur- willful murder because because of the object of the, of the sin. The object is an infinitely great God who is infinitely, infinitely good. Uh, the sin of abortion is, of course, very, very grave, but it is not against a infinitely grave being. It's against an infinite, uh, a finite being. So the church is always has always treated blasphemy as a very serious sin because, of course, also it leads to other sins as well. Once you offended God and, and blasphemed against God, uh, you blasphemed against his law and, you know, the, the whole order of things. So it, it, is, and it is also a sin that has consequences. Well, speaking of consequences, one such statement I would have expected to have heard on this subject would have been from His Holiness Pope Francis, uh, given how many times Biden has been able to meet with uh, with Pope Francis, it would seem to me that there might be an opportunity there for 
his holiness to say, listen, no, in fact, we do still believe in the sanctity of human life at mm-hmm. conception, and abortion is still gravely evil, and we shouldn't participate in it, and we should encourage others not to. Uh, but no, as you said, not only have the bishops not said much about this, but we haven't heard anything out of the Vatican either, have we? No, exactly, and that is the tragedy of it, because what we're talking about is a public uh, sin, a public blasphemy, and uh, the, I think the, we cannot underestimate the symbolic value of these things. That it's not just Joe Biden that is blaspheming, but President Joe Biden, who represents the nation, and it's not just Francis and Pope Francis, Francis uh, <laughs> a bishop that is again, uh, you know, that should speak out, but Pope Francis, who is represents the Church and who is the Vicar of Christ. You know, that is what makes it all the more grave. Now, I was just thinking about history from a historical perspective. I know that there have been occasions when either bishops or His Holiness, uh, Vicar of Christ, has been bold to speak out against secular political leaders uh, because of their their grave immoral sins or whatever. One, in fact, got excommunicated in the Western Roman Empire. But uh, it's not really all that often that they do speak out this boldly. Uh, so do you think it's because they just they're they're afraid of upsetting the apple cart? Do you feel like they're just they don't want to rock the boat? I mean, like, why do you think that the bishops and or the pope don't speak out more often when it comes to Catholic leaders doing things contrary to the Catholic faith? I think it's a misconception of what the you know, I mean, I'm sure many of them know the doctrine of the church and know what St. Thomas says about blasphemy. But there is this general idea that the church has changed, that, uh, you know, we can do much more by being nice to people and not by, by condemning people. We just have to, uh, have to try to, uh, you know, inform them, try to make them understand. In fact, there are, there have been some bishops who have spoken out against this statement of, of President Biden, but they said, well, you know, we're dealing with a confused person who really doesn't understand what he's doing. And, and trying to uh, give him the benefit of the doubt, whereas obviously he knows what he's doing. He's not confused. Hold and, that uh, thought right there. Hold that thought. John Horvath's our guest from uh, TFP. We're going to be right back talking about blasphemy. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question. Should pastors and churches place expectations and obligations on the congregation? Your average non-Catholic evangelical would say no, maybe even no way. It might be said, we do not need written order, discipline, or expectations. Those should derive from personal desire and from the Holy Spirit, not from a church. Or, each Christian's conscience should be sufficient for correction and discipline. Or, the Holy Spirit will personally lead each believer as to what church or to attend and certainly how often they should go. So here's your three best friendships tools for Catholic evangelism. Natural law says human society cannot be well-ordered nor prosperous unless it has legitimate authority to preserve its own institution, the Bible. Secondly, the Bible, which says in multiple places such as Hebrews 13, 17, obey them that have the rule over you. And thirdly, the Catholic Church says when we are properly ordered, we will be capable of resisting conformity to the contemporary demands of unhealthy individualism. So obligations, much obliged. 
Men, it's time. Participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th, 11.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. in Boston. There is a man connected to every abortion. Men are a big part of the problem, and it's time for all men to take responsibility and be a big part of the solution. All men of goodwill are invited to participate in the march, and everyone else is needed to show up for the rally beginning at 2 p.m. outside of the State House. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and spread the word. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. We're talking with Mr. John Horvat, Vice President of the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property. I'm talking about his article on blasphemy. And I, again, I found it interesting on a number of levels. You can find his article over at lifesitenews.com. The headline says, Biden's blasphemous comments on abortion invite God's wrath upon our nation. And uh, specifically, let me read this part of the article, uh, because I think this is where we're trying to define the term here. Uh, it, It came, it says, Mr. Biden's particular blasphemy involves his commentary on Senator Lindsey Graham's Protecting Pain Capable Unborn Children from Late Term Abortions Act, which seeks to forbid abortions past 15 weeks of gestation. Uh, it says, however, what makes his opposition blasphemous is his insinuation that the church's position has changed regarding procured abortions. Quote, I happen to be a practicing Roman Catholic, close quote. The president declared, referring to the bill, quote, my church doesn't even make that argument now, close quote. And again, that's what we talked about in the first segment, which is mind-boggling like who believes that? Like, is there are there really people who are like hear hear the him say this and go, yeah, the Catholic Church thinks abortion's okay now? Like, who would think? That? I can't even imagine someone on the far left thinking that. I, I bet everybody still believes the Catholic Church is against abortion. They just don't care that the Catholic Church is against abortion. What say you, Mr. Horvath? Yes, and <clears throat> I think Mr. Uh, President Biden can only say those kind of things because. He feels there is cover on the on the um, on the on the Catholic left. You know, you have a vast a network of Catholic leftists in the universities and parishes, uh, uh, inside uh, Catholic structures that provide him cover. You know, they will not complain. They'll not talk about abortion. They'll, you know, they'll just go along with these kind of statements and uh, you know and, and provide cover for his for these kind of things. You know, going back to something you said in the last segment, too, about the sort of the casual nature with which we engage in blasphemy, or even in this case, it's not, it's blasphemy, but it's also just plain, straight up lying, right? It's uh, just lying to people about what the church does or doesn't believe. We we seem to rationalize, and I'm not, I mean, I'm not just singling out President Biden, I'm thinking about myself, everyone, We we tend to rationalize how much we would stretch the truth to our benefit. Uh, how dangerous is that in the grand scheme of things? Well, I mean, you know, we have to consider that sin does have consequences. Any sin has consequences. It may, it may have, it has consequences in, in real life because the, you know, a, a sin is a disorder that causes disorder in one's life. And it, it also is a, is a sin. It is a, uh, has consequences in eternal life. And, um, you know, a lot of times I think people don't believe, you know, the idea that God chastises. God does, uh, God does, does, um, get, make there be consequences to our acts. 
you know, we, we bring it on ourselves. We are the ones who bring it on ourselves, but God is just, infinitely just. And so he must, by his very justice, um, uh, react to what we do. So I, I think it is very, um, it is very, um, uh, has a lot of consequences. And I think, you know, we feel that in our, in the national, in the national scenario in which we live, you know, that there's so many bad things happening. And is it's no wonder because there are these types of sins that take place, public sins that take place, blasphemous sins that take place, and God is letting, letting, letting our, letting us feel the consequences of our folly. Mr. Horvat, uh, I, I just to kind of draw on that a little bit. Um, so far, we've painted this this picture of just the amount of blasphemy. It's just so common now, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering what your opinion is on this. Why hasn't uh, God chastised even more? Because the things that we're experiencing now seem mild in comparison to the things that we are uttering, the things that, mm-hmm. that we're, we're giving a, a free pass to. Why do you think it is that we haven't been chastised a lot more for these grave offenses against God? Well, I think God, uh, God gives us chances, a lot of chances. And we, we have obviously not taken advantage of those chances. I, I think he will eventually uh, chastise us uh, according to the to, in proportion to what we we deserve even though even that those cha- those chastisements may are our mercy because there is no proper chastisement against a, a, an infinite offense against God an infinite God mm. but uh, yeah I think it's uh, everybody's asking that question and and I think God will eventually do that but he he acts according to his own wisdom and his own time. You know, it's interesting. Tomorrow, we're actually going to be doing an interview about the devotion to the Holy Face, which part of that is a reparation against blasphemy. But, you know, the idea that Biden's statement here is blasphemy makes me think, would it also be considered blasphemous for someone to say something like God wills the diversity and plurality of religions? Definitely, definitely, because you are attributing to God um, things that he are not uh, according to his nature, and even simple. So yes, definitely it is blasphemous. I mean, it is a sort of indirect blasphemy. It's not as if you are directly naming God as such, but you are doing something that is attributing uh, to God things that are against his honor. So obviously, yeah, it would be a blasphemy. Can, I'm going to bring up a similar scenario. Not, I would say it's not perfectly exactly the same, but it's similar, and to illustrate some of the, get your comment on, uh, some of the things we've been talking about today. I saw this article out of CNA this morning. Headline says, Guatemalan Cardinal responds to Daniel Ortega's attack on the church. And uh, so the Nicaraguan President Daniel Ortega has been infamous lately for his persecution of the Catholic Church there in Nicaragua, having arrested one of the bishops and put him, you know, and uh, as well as some of his aides, put them in a prison that's known for torture, by the way. Well, he, his wife is an active occult leader in the town, and his wife is also the vice president of the country, which should illustrate just how bad things are there. But nonetheless, he has been making these uh, crazy statements against the church, even attacking Pope Francis himself, but claims to be a Catholic. And a cardinal has come out uh, against him. Cardinal Olivaro came out and said, uh, quote, It's true the Catholic Church uh, is not a democracy, but it has a spirit of participation and communion that makes it possible for all of us who are the church, from the Pope to the laity to the lay faithful, to live in peace and harmony. The Guatemalan, Guatemalan cardinal said 
in a video going on to say, Mr. President Daniel Ortega, if you are a Catholic, what I as a bishop would expect you from you is that you have respect for the Catholic Church and the proper order that directs the institution founded by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I find this very interesting and very similar because uh, wa- this should set a precedent that at the very least the Pope or princes of the Church, his own uh, President Biden's own bishop, for instance, and there in Washington, mm-hmm. D.C., might be a good choice to make very similar statements. What say you? Of course. Yeah, I mean, and uh, no institution can exist without some kind of self-discipline, some kind of, of rules and regulations that keep that keep it uh, keep it alive and keep it uh, in order. And so the, the church has at its disposition all sorts of sanctions and uh, excommunications and uh, and condemnations and and canonical things that are are there, and we simply just don't use them. I mean, we definitely need to use them. We need to give, go beyond just speaking or just saying things and actually doing something. And, you know, I think we would be surprised at the efficacy of such things, but we just simply don't do them. And what can we do to combat this blasphemy? Obviously, I mean, tomorrow we're going to be talking a lot about the Holy Face devotion. And so that's going to be a great thing to do to make reparation in terms of private devotion. But what else can we do to try to combat public blasphemy like this? Well, whenever we see public blasphemy, whether it be in the political sphere or in the cultural sphere, which is also a whole other um, uh, sphere of action that where blasphemy takes place, uh, where we can, we should do public reparation uh, protests in front of theaters, in front of, uh, you know, wherever those things, are t- those things take place. It definitely will, um, will console God in, that, in, in, in what has been done. Blasphemy was one of the sins that Our Lady spoke about in Fatima. It was one of the major sins she spoke about. And the, seven, the five, uh, five, five Saturday devotion was one of the reasons for it was blasphemy. So it is very serious, and we, we, have, we have an obligation to, to do reparation, whether that be public reparation in the public square or private rep, rep, uh, reparation before the, in an adoration chapel. We should always have that in mind. Do you think that one of the reasons why bishops uh, or even the Pope doesn't speak out against uh, Joe Biden is simply the fact that he's the United States president and that might have lasting ramifications for any future Catholic who might want to run for office? Not really, because uh, I think, you know, he would, they, they would know. I think it's, uh, there are so many Catholics in the United States that, um, you know, that we are a political power. And they they solicit that political power in the in the elections. They go after the that uh, after Catholics. So if anything, they should want to please Catholics and not not offend them. At least half of the Catholics that are, would be offended or could be offended, and the other half that are more liberal and would and 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 would not be offended. So I don't think that's the church is never cowed before political authority. And when you, whenever you do it, always it always ends up bad. We only have two minutes left in our conversation, but, you know, that just made me think of something about being offended, but not being offended of our own sake. Out of humility, we should let things fall off our shoulders, but being offended for the sake of God, for being offended on the sake of the church, those are the kind of things that should offend us, whereas we should be humble and allow the whips and scorns of things to fall on us. What say you, uh, Mr. Horvat? Yes, absolutely. If it's against me, I, you know, I'll turn the other cheek. I'll do whatever. 
but since it, if it offends God and if it offends Holy Mother Church, I'm right there in the front lines. I need to be right there in the front lines and, and uh, make the person feel the consequences of his act. Well, we're down to the wire here with Mr. John Horvat, Vice President of the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property. It is a very interesting time we live in to see uh, not only lies, but to then realize that these lies have a greater, more depraved context, and that is blasphemy. And I think uh, something, just to reiterate here at the end, of something we said in the beginning was blasphemy is something we've become too casual with. And we hear it and see it and even commit it all too often. Uh, would you say, last question, would you say this is of uh, a grave nature? Would you say this was mortal versus venial? Oh, definitely. And, and more, uh, it, it definitely tends to be a mortal sin. Uh, if you look at the Catholic Encyclopedia, you know, there are, there are, there are, there are cases when it's, it, it lessens the, uh, the consequences of the circumstances, but it, it generally tends to be a mortal sin because it is against an infinite being, infinite All right. good being. Go to confession. <laughs> Make good confessions is the answer. Do reparation. All right, Mr. John Horvath, God bless you. Thank you for your time today. We're very appreciative to have this conversation with you. Great to be on. That's going to do it for hour number one. You can check out his article at LifeSiteNews.com. But join us in the second hour. Hector Molina is going to be on. We're going to dive into the gospel. Plus, uh, play Fear and Trembling and much, much more. God bless you. God love you. See you tomorrow. Hi, this is Father Stephen and Barada. Join us in Boston for the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th. Men, we will gather outside the Planned Parenthood to begin the march, and then we're going to meet everyone else for a 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about constitutional personhood for the pre-born and where we need to go from here. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. Again, details, mensmarch.com. Join us and spread the word. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. In your view, was the Virgin Mary simply an obedient woman who willingly gave biological and maternal matter to Jesus and therefore has been given undue adoration? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Virgin Mary is in the first book of the Bible, the last book of the Bible, all through the Gospels and close to 15 other typologies throughout Scripture. Secondly, the Ark of the Covenant. It was the most revered object in the history of the children of Israel. Israel. That ark carried the presence of God. Well, goodness, the Virgin Mary did not just carry the presence of God. She carried God himself. Thirdly, something to think on. If God is a father, he is, and we are known as his children, we are, and the body of Christ are called brothers and sisters, they are. Wouldn't God provide a mother for his church? He did. So here's an idea. Ask a wartime veteran whose soldiers cry out for in a moment of fear. That's right, their mother. Mother Mary, pray for us. Hi, this is Pam Stenzel. Come participate in the next National Men's March to Abolish Abortion and Rally for Personhood on Saturday, October 15th in Boston. Men gather outside of the Planned Parenthood on Commonwealth at 11.30 a.m. for the march, and then everyone else show up at the 2 p.m. rally outside of the State House, where I'll be speaking about the need to value and protect every pre-born baby from fertilization. For more information, go to themensmarch.com and spread the word. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox, goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and get signed up today.
Hi there, Chris Thornhill here from St. Rose of Lima, and you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Interesting about the conversation we just had with John Horvath about blasphemy is how his article in his particular instance, his example in his article, kind of, because I think when we think of blasphemy, we think about saying the name of the Lord in a, you know, sacrilegious way, sacrilegious yeah. way or, but I, I don't know. I, I think, just think it's remind, it's a reminder that to uh, to attribute falsehoods and errors to the Holy Mother Church mm. is grave, but how often do we do it? Like, not I mean, speaking just in a very general way here, how often do we people, we lay folk, specifically because we give ourselves over to a lens more of the world, the flesh, and the devil than we do to the Catholic faith? How often do we do attribute error? And, right to the church it's blasphemous but we it's, like, it's almost as though we don't give enough respect to the church you know what i mean it's yeah. also it's like, true of the of the saints right yeah because we uh, there's a reason why they have a there's a piety to the saints and you don't want to attribute falsity to the saints just flippantly um and there's that's why you read saint thomas aquinas and when he talks about augustine and he kind of softly corrects some things that augustine may have said he doesn't say augustine was wrong he says he, you read it in this way, or yeah. it could be understood in this way. Yeah. And there's a devotion and a piety to the saints that we should have and not just dismiss them mm-hmm. out of hand and be like, oh, they're, these, this thing was wrong. Uh, it's just not, it's not pious. And sins against, speaking against the saints, the angels, Our Lady, the church, all those is categorized under blasphemy is against God because they're his saints, his church, his things. Yeah, but it's like we also, we take too casual the church herself. That's true. You know, it's like, uh, but that's an offense against God because mm-hmm. it's his body. It's his church. You um, know, it's so interesting you brought it up, too, because, uh, you know, my my favorite go to resource for uh, confession for anything like a prayer book. It's it's actually the Lassance My Prayer Book. Oh, really? And when it's going through, uh, it has its own little section for confession. Mm. It asks you to meditate. Have I spoken flippantly about the church? Have I regarded holy things in a way that is, you know, detracting from that. Mm. And uh, we do that all the time. I think, I think it's very, it's very tempting uh, to, to do that when we, we talk about the scandal in the church. Yeah. You know, yeah. It happens more often than we think. Yeah, for sure. Oh man. Hey, I want to say good morning, Damon and good morning, Mike K and Tammy. Praise be to God. Jay Coke. Good morning to you. Luz and Clarissa. Hanging out over on our CDT Telegram group. Uh, good to see you guys here. Thanks for hanging out and chatting with us this morning. Coming up at uh, 15 past this hour, we're going to play our game show, uh, Fear and Trembling. Prizes are at stake. You could win. It's possible. Uh, we'll give you the phone number. If you've never played, can I encourage you? Be a first-time caller on the game show. It's fun. You'll have a good time, and you could win the prizes. I'll give it to you right at 15 past the hour, and then uh, first caller gets to play the game. If it's been at least a month since the last time you played, you can try to call back. So that's coming up. Then, of course, the second half of the hour, we do what we call an after show, where we stay on live. After we've signed off and said goodbye to the radio audience, we stay on what we call 
the after show on our live video streams where we interact directly with you. And so we're talking YouTube, we're talking Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey, Twitter, and you can comment on those platforms and uh, direct our conversation. And if you, you know, if you don't want to, if you just want to listen, be the fly on the wall, that's fine too. We'll probably talk about, you know, movies, cars, sports. Yesterday we had a fascinating conversation about shoes. When and where not to wear them. Okay, I mean you just you never Only know. The most profound yeah. topics. On the Holy right Ghost time. led that conversation. I mean, it was all started by Mister Rogers. That <laughs> kicked off a very fascinating shoe conversation. But uh, you never know what's going to happen in the after show. Join us there if you can. You can find all the links to everything on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Uh, again, that's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. And you're right, Tammy, is a lot of food combo. But, you know, i got to be honest, it's harder for me to do that since I'm not allowed to eat any of the foods we discuss in the after show, which makes it harder. And Alberto is right here uh, teasing me with his latte and his chocolate broche. You know? Oh, man, that sounds yeah. amazing. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> you're the best, Alberto. Praise be to God. All right, again, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Let's go to the phones. Our friend Hector Molina, Jr., uh, joins us right now uh, to talk about the Sunday Gospel. Good morning to you, Hector. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. We were just talking about blasphemy uh, and how casual I think people are do, saying blasphemous things. Do you, do, you, do you see that in your ministry? Do you see the uh, casual nature of the use of blasphemy? Well, I, I, I see it on a regular basis. I mean, you can't but not encounter blasphemy uh, all around us. I mean, we... <laughs> We're in a culture that is steeped in irreligiosity and um, and paganism and hedonism, and so our speech is going to reflect that, unfortunately, and even amongst many Christians who just are not aware of the fact that their speech is is sinful um, and blasphemous. So yes, absolutely. Mm. It kind of reminds me of what we're getting ready to jump into in the Sunday Gospel coming up in Luke 17, and that. Blasphemy is sort of, um, you know, attributing to God, to the church, to his holy saints, things that are not true, they're wrong, they're, they're horrendous or whatever. But there's also an element of not giving credit where credit is due, which kind of reminds me of the Ten Lepers. Absolutely. This is a, an iconic passage. We continue our journey with our blessed Lord back in chapter 9, verse 51, following the transfiguration. Luke clues us into the fact that when the time came, when the days arrived for Jesus to be received up, that he set his face to Jerusalem. And between chapters 9 and 19, we have what is known as the travel narrative. This is Jesus' death march, so to speak. He's traveling to Calvary. And it's interesting, some five times between chapters 9 and 19, Luke reminds us, that, oh, by the way, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and he does it in this Sunday's Gospel once again in verse 11. It says, on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee when he encounters these ten lepers. Now, you might be asking yourself, well, why does Luke need to remind us, you know? He clued us in back in chapter 9. Well, guess what? There are a number of chapters where so much happens and it leads us to the conclusion that, guess what? Jesus didn't travel in a straight line. <laughs> Jesus did not go directly and straight to Jerusalem, which would have taken some three to four days. It's a, an 80-mile journey from the Galilee to Jerusalem. But what does he do? This 
is the last phase of his ministry. And he is preaching and teaching and delivering parables and performing signs and wonders along the way. And so rather than traveling a straight line, he's traveling circuitously around the entire region. And here we're presented with this healing of these ten lepers. And what's fascinating to me as, as a bit of a Bible geek is the fact that we're told the location. He's doing this between Samaria and Galilee. And he's healing ten lepers. Mm. Now, if you study the scriptures, you know that Jesus is in the historic northern kingdom territory. And the capital of that kingdom was Samaria. And in the northern kingdom, the ten tribes of Israel dwelt. And these were the tribes that were eventually conquered and exiled by the Assyrians. And so this has tremendous significance and symbolism because these ten lepers, scholars contend and commentators and church fathers, they represent the ten lost tribes of the house of Israel. And Jesus is healing these ten lepers. And we're told, surprisingly, shockingly, if you were back in the first century uh, and, and this story were told to you, you'd be shocked because the one that comes back after being healed, Jesus commands them, go show yourselves to the priest, because they beg Jesus, have mercy on us. And this isn't the first uh, time that Jesus encounters a leper. Back in chapter 5, he heals a solitary leper. But in that case, he actually reaches out, touches the leper, and pronounces healing, and then tells him, go show yourselves to the priest, following the prescriptions of Leviticus 13 and 14. But here, Jesus doesn't do that. He says, go show yourselves to the priest. And so he's calling them to step out in faith, to be obedient. And it is through their faith and obedience that they encounter this healing power. They, they begin their journey, they step out in faith literally, and they're healed. But only one returns to give thanks, to your point, to Jesus. And guess this, he's a Samaritan. Yeah. And this is the shocking element that this implies that at least some, if not all of the other lepers were Jews. And the Jews don't come back to thank their Jewish Messiah. It's the Samaritan who comes, falls at Jesus' feet, prostrate, and gives him thanks and praise. And Jesus marvels at the faith. No doubt it, it broke his heart that his fellow Jews, members of the covenant, did not receive that spiritual insight that Jesus was the one that healed them, and that Jesus is God, he's the God-man. It was this Samaritan, this Allogenes in the Greek, this stranger, this foreigner who gives God praise. And this was a theme that runs throughout the course of the gospel. If you remember back in Luke chapter 4 when Jesus has that homecoming that went awry, preaching in the synagogue, his own people rejected him. And he mentions them, listen, there was, back in the northern kingdom in the times of Elisha, <laughs> and there were many, many lepers among the Israelites, but only Naaman the Syrian, who was another foreigner, who was a leper, he was the only one that was healed. And this theme of being rejected by the Jews, but yet accepted by the pagans and the Gentiles, this is a theme that courses through the Gospels. And I can't help but think, Joe, 
One leper returned to give God thanks and praise. The Greek word is the root word for Eucharist, Eucharista. And we in the church today, how many Catholics on a weekly basis worship God and give him thanks and praise at the Eucharist each Sunday? Mm-hmm. Only a tiny fraction of the entire Catholic people actually give God thanks and praise and return to him on a regular basis to fall at his feet and to worship him. Yeah. And this, I, I can't help but see it resonate with our own day and time and how mm. ungrateful so many of us are. Oh, yeah, you just reminded me of uh, Our Lady of Revelation in 1947, speaking to Bruno Cornicolia in uh, Tre Fontane in a cave. Uh, he was committed himself to murdering the Pope, um, and uh, he was uh, preaching against Our Lady, against the Church, and against the Pope. He was preparing uh, uh, his public uh, discourse against the Church when this miracle happened, and Our Lady, uh, who appeared to him to convert him on the spot, told him of many things, one of which she started crying because of the blasphemies uh, and the rejection of Catholics, uh, to her son and and to his real presence in the Holy Eucharist, their lack of charity to priests who have abandoned their faith and uh, taken off their cassocks, taken off their their habits, and uh, and she lamented all of this, and she told Bruno that he would spend the rest of his life doing acts of reparation and spreading the gospel message to help and uh, to suffer some for for these priests in particular. So her messages are very, very profound, which kinds of remi- kind of reminds me of what you were just saying. You know, this need to be uh, to be back to give back to God generosity of praise, mm-hmm. generosity of of just thanksgiving. How often have I prayed to the Lord, asking for things that I need, concerns that are legit, but haven't just said thank you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we are conditioned. I mean, as a Eucharistic people, we are conditioned to give God thanks and praise. And in order to do that, we have to be mindful of the many blessings that we have, Joe. And I think universally, we suffer from from myopia, Mm -hmm. from just a narrow mindedness. And we take for granted the enormous blessings that we receive from the Lord on a daily basis. Amen. HectorMolina.com is his website. HectorMolina.com. Check him out there. Hector, God bless you, my brother. Thanks for being on with us today. Thank you, Joe. All right. Praise be to God. Get yourself ready for Holy Mass this Sunday by reading the gospel passage with Hector's commentary. Even better. But don't go anywhere. After the break, it's time to play Fear and Trembling. That phone number call right now is 877-757-9424. First caller gets to play at 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. My Protestant friends say the Catholic Church has added a lot of man-made traditions to the Word of God. Is that true? No, it's not true. Protestants go by the written Word of God alone or sacred scripture alone. Catholics go by the entire Word of God as it is found in sacred scripture and sacred tradition. All of the Word of God was originally passed down as oral tradition. Eventually, some of it was written down. This became sacred scripture or written tradition. However, scripture itself tells us that not all the things that Jesus said and did were written down. That's where sacred tradition comes in. Paul says this about tradition. 2 Thessalonians 2.15 So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught by us either by word of mouth or by letter. 
Traditions taught by word of mouth and traditions taught by letter. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition. In 1 Corinthians 11.2, Paul commends them for maintaining the traditions as he has delivered them. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition. 2 Timothy 2 verse 2. And what you have heard from me before many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is an instance in scripture of Paul commanding the passing on of oral tradition. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 13. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. They received as the word of God that which they heard, not simply that which they read in Scripture. In other words, the Bible clearly supports the Catholic Church's teaching that the word of God is contained in both sacred Scripture and sacred tradition. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, a Catholic trivia game show with secrets and agendas. And you could play and win. It's possible. Call right now, 877-757-9424. First caller gets to play our game at 877-757-9424. Phone lines are open, wide open. If you've never played, can I encourage you? It's fun. You're going to learn something. It's a good time. 877-757-9424 is that phone number. Adrian Fonseca standing by to take your call at 877 877- Seven five seven nine four two four. So there are, as I said, some things we do on the down low, on the back end, on the uh, on the QT. Is I'm got to get a list of metaphors together for secrets. But nonetheless, number one, we like to teach the faith, so we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something that you've never known before. And there's maybe one thing today that you probably don't know. At least I'm gonna say. Although, I'm also going to say we've used that question before, so you should know this one. We'll see. I don't know. And then, of course, we like to have a laugh. We like to have a good time. Our callers are actually amazing. They laugh with us, and we enjoy that most, I'd say. And then we give out prizes, which means this is an incentive for everybody. You can't lose in this deal. You learn something, you laugh, and you might win. It's a winner for everybody. But here's the kicker. Out of the three Catholic trivia questions that I have in front of me, we do not ask the caller any of these questions. Instead, we will ask Rudy, we will ask Adrian, and one of them will give us a correct answer. The other will give us an incorrect answer. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And then every correct answer then goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. And uh, Rudy, what could they win? (laughs) Praise be to God. Our sponsor this week is Divinia Water. And they say that they are the most distinguished bottled water on the market. It's free from really? microplastics, 
heavy metals, pharmaceuticals, and hundreds of other contaminants. Now, if you remember our conversation with Teresa Mersano, I want to say almost a month ago, you'll understand what we mean by pharmaceuticals, okay? Go back to our YouTube page, find that interview. You'll be very surprised as what's in the water supply. Now, their water is bottled in pristine Idaho on a bottling line blessed by a Catholic priest. And Divinia is also run by a Catholic family dedicated to preserving God's natural surroundings while giving you the best in clean, functional hydration. Mm. They ship right to your door, and they offer convenient subscription options, so you might consider that. Go to DiviniaWater.com to find out more about their process and maybe pick some pick some up for yourself. Thank Praise you so much, Divinia. Yeah, thank you, DiviniaWater.com. For your generous gift to give out to one of our listeners, we're always so grateful for that. DaviniaWater.com. Praise be to God. All right, let's go to the phones. Uh, let's see here. Jacqueline, good morning to you. Jacqueline, are you there? Yes, good morning. Good morning, Jacqueline. Can you do me a favor? Turn your radio down. We're going to get a lot of feedback if you if you leave the radio up. So uh, just turn that down for us. But good morning to you, and thanks for hanging out with us today. Where are you from? I'm in Aubrey, Texas. Aubrey, Texas. That's not far from Denton, Texas, if I'm not mistaken. That's right, near TWU and UNT. Oh, praise be to God. So that must mean you're a Texas A&M fan. You're, are you an Aggie, Jacqueline? <laughs> I'm not. I actually went to TWU. Uh, my <laughs> deepest condolences, Jacqueline. Uh, but maybe in your defense you didn't know at the time that there was a thing called Texas A&M. Who knows? Uh, we'll have to leave that to God's holy mercy. But nonetheless, uh, it's always uh, good to have you on the show. Can you tell us where do you go to church? Uh, St. Francis um, in Frisco. Oh, okay. I have been there. It's been a long time. Praise be to God. Now, Jacqueline, are you are you aware of how this game works? Do you know the rules? Um, I've heard the show many times, so oh, I, I'll say praise I... Kind of know the rules. Kind of. The, rule number one, I'm the only guy on your team. All right? <laughs> <laughs> it's just me and you, Jacqueline. Mm-hmm. All right? I mean, this is some tricky waters, but you and I together, we're going to get through this. Are you ready? Yes. All right. Now, you should know, uh, Brother Rudy, he's wearing an ascot today. Okay, yesterday it was the like the, the sweater thing. Today, <laughs> it's an ascot. I, I, I don't even know what to make of this anymore. So. I don't either. Tread lightly, Jacqueline. Tread lightly. Uh, good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. You got a pipe over there? What's Not this? yet. Mm-hmm. I looked at my tie rack this morning. I said, you know what? I haven't given enough love to the ascot. <laughs> I haven't given enough love. Those are words that went through your mind? I'm just curious. <laughs> like, you actually thought these things. Yeah. Okay, hey now. Who am I to judge? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> who am I? Someone, someone famous said someone, that once. Yeah, someone said that one time. All right. Are you ready, Rudy? I am ready. Praise be to God. Are you sure? Yes. Are you Are you really sure? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. mm-hmm. Okay. Can you answer for me this first question, sir? Who is the patron saint of the dying. Uh, yes, that was me this week, uh, <laughs> suffering from some sort of cold. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's going to be Our Lady of Sorrows. And just imagine, you know, you yeah. you spent your whole life devoted to Our Lady of Sorrows, to the yeah. seven promises, yeah. and Our Lady's just going to come and whisk you away at Whis- the moment of death. Whew. Who better to do that? Got it. Than Our Lady. Our Lady. Our Lady of Sorrows is your answer. That's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, let's go with uh, Adrian and see what he has to say. Adrian, good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Now, I understand you are an expert in dying. I am. I've done it three times already. Wow. That's amazing. And that's just this week. 
Praise be to God. Can you tell me, who is the patron saint of dying? Well, as someone who has a PhD in dying, and I have done it many times, as I have just mentioned, that Mm -hmm. would actually be St. Joseph, though. I mean, I guess Our Lady is the patron of literally everything, but Mm -hmm. specifically St. Joseph. Okay, very interesting. Well, Jacqueline, you got options. Just who is the patron saint of the dying? Is it as Adrian says, St. Joseph, or is it as Rudy says, Our Lady of Sorrows? 15 seconds on the clock. Rudy. No. Go go the other one. I'm so sorry. That is a promise of Our Lady of Sorrows. Oh, man. Jacqueline. Mea culpa. Uh, St. Joseph is the patron saint of, dying, of mm-hmm. the dying because mm-hmm. he died so well having Our yeah, Lady yeah. and Our Lord at his side. Oh, yeah. What a way to die. I know. Uh, but cool. in my defense, Jacqueline, I thought I did mention the ascot. But nonetheless, let's just see if we can't get you in this cup on this next question, uh, which I'm sure we're going to, by the way. I have every confidence we're going to get this done. We're going to go with, uh, with Adrian for this. Now, we've said this. This is a repeat question. This might be a repeat question. I, I, in fact, I think this is a three-peat. Three-peat question. No. I oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Adrian, can you tell me? What is the name of the offering made to priests who administer the sacraments? Hmm. Well, as someone who uh, gives a lot of money mm-hmm. to uh, <laughs> priests to give sacraments... To administer sacraments. Right. You know, really? Mm-hmm. Uh, I know, yeah, yeah. I just like dish out that cash. Ooh. I, I, know. Baller, ba- I have bacillions of dollars. <laughs> bacillion That's what happens when you go to a bacillion high school and a bacillion <laughs> college. Okay. Um, those mm-hmm. are called stole fees. Stole. Mm-hmm. Stole fees. You know, because the like they wear stole. The stoles. Mm-hmm. Like the ones we gave out at the Guadalupe Radio Network dinner. That's exactly right. Oh, those okay. were lovely. Stoles. All right. Praise be to God. Stole fees, you say. Rudy, uh, maybe you could tell us what is the name of the offering made? to priests who administer the sacraments? All right, it used to be known as an indulgence. Really? But people got upset about it, uh-huh. so they had to go into the uh, you know the documents and change it so that people wouldn't be so wise. They call them EKs, otherwise known as Episcopal Kickbacks. Episcopal Kickbacks. That's right. Uh-huh. Technical term. Wow. Yes. EKs, you say? Yeah. Wow. Interesting. All right, Jacqueline. Is it uh, Episcopal Kickbacks? As Rudy, the ascot guy, is trying to make us believe? Or is it stole fees, as Brother Adrian is suggesting? 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? What say you, Jacqueline, just outside Denton, Texas? I'll go with Adrian. Because you have to, right? (laughs) Jacqueline, Jacqueline, don't feel bad. It's okay. Some, Way to go, Jacqueline. Sometimes, Clearly, Joe, Jacqueline is a brilliant, beautiful young woman. Very clear to me. Clearly. I can see it yeah. right now. Sometimes we just have to admit Adrian is correct, though, Jacqueline. Don't feel bad about it, Full okay? Full of wisdom. I'm noticing. Okay. I'm noticing. Although I will suggest that if your conscience does bother you, you can mention it in confession. No, so. don't even worry about it. Don't even worry about <laughs> it. Okay. Stole fees is the correct answer. You did well. Also known as stipends. Also known as stipends, yeah. So definitely not Episcopal kickbacks. I'm sure that's a thing somewhere. Mm. Uh, just not here. Praise yeah. be to God. All right, let's go see if we can get you in there three times with this question. Got to act fast now. But what is the first line of the Apostles' Creed, Rudy? Credo in unum Deum, which means I believe in God, the Father Almighty. 
I believe in God, the Father Almighty. All right, that's interesting. Uh, Adrian, can you tell me what is the first line of the Apostles' Creed? Yes, the first line of the Apostles' Creed, written by the Apostles themselves, mm-hmm. which was the, uh, I fly unto thee, O most holy virgin. Really? Mm-hmm. That was written by the Apostles? That was written by the Apostles themselves. Okay, well, Jacqueline, you got options. Is it, I fly unto thee, O most holy virgin, as Adrian says? Or is it, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, as the first line of the Apostles' Creed, as Rudy suggests? 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Jacqueline, what say you? We're going to go with Rudy. Wise, wise, wise. Praise be to God. Congratulations. You got it right. You are correct. You're in for two, Jacqueline. We had fun. God bless you. Thanks for playing our game. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day. And uh, I'll say it for you, Jacqueline. Giga Maggies. Giga Maggies. <laughs> we'll see you. Thank you. All right. That's going to do it for the radio side of our show. Thanks for having a laugh with us today and getting through it all. Praise be to God. If you can join us in the after show... Or we'll laugh a little more, talk about whatever you want to talk about. You get to drive that conversation. Go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt to find all the live video links. Until then, or until tomorrow, God bless you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the memorial of Blessed Marie Rose de Rocher. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Praise my soul, the King of heaven, to his feet thy tribute bring. Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven, evermore his praises sing. Alleluia, Alleluia. Praise the everlasting King. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty Almighty God God, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, 
all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Lord, who enkindle in the heart of blessed Marie Rose de Roche the flame of ardent charity and a great desire to cooperate in the mission of the Church as a teacher, grant us that same active love, so that in responding to the needs of the world today, we may lead our brothers and sisters to the blessedness of eternal life. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Galatians. O stupid Galatians, who has bewitched you, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? I want to learn only this from you. Did you receive the Spirit from the works of the law, or from faith in what you heard? Are you so stupid? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now ending with the flesh? Did you experience so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain. Does then the one who supplies the Spirit to you and works mighty deeds among you do so from works of the law or from faith in what you heard? The Word of the Lord. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people. He has raised up for us a mighty Savior, born of the house of his servant David. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people. Through his holy prophets he promised of old that he would save us from our enemies from the hands of all who hate us. Blessed, Blessed be the, the Lord, the God of Israel. He has, he has come, come to his people. He promised to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. Blessed, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has, he has come, come to his people. This was the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship him without fear, holy and righteous in his sight, all the days of our life. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Open our hearts, O Lord, 
to listen to the words of your Son. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, Suppose one of you has a friend to whom he goes at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived at my house from a journey, and I have nothing to offer him. And he says in reply from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children and I are already in bed. I cannot get up to give you anything. I tell you, if he does not get up to give him the loaves because of their friendship, he will get up to give him whatever he needs because of his persistence. And I tell you, ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you would hand his son a snake when he asks for a fish, or hand him a scorpion when he asks for an egg? If you then, who are wicked, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. At today's Gospel from Luke, we continue to hear about the importance of prayer, in particular, the need to be persevering and persistent in our prayer life, and also the question of what is it that we should actually be asking for in our prayer, in our relationship with God. St. Augustine defined prayer very simply as being an exercise of desire. I suppose in the very first place, prayer is an exercise of desire because it's an expression of our desire to want to be in relationship with God. If you want to be in a relationship with someone, certainly communication with them is an essential part of that. And prayer is our way of communicating to God and opening ourselves to receive communication from Him. In that sense, I think any sincere and authentic prayer whereby we are communicating with God is a good thing because it is an expression of this fundamental desire to want to be with him and that after all is the entire purpose of our existence to live in communion with the most holy trinity for all eternity this is the purpose of our life this is the goal of our life and prayer is really an expression to say that is really what i want for my life and therefore i'm going to be doing that already here and now in this earth so in that sense, all prayer is good because it expresses our desire to be with God. But then we can ask the question more specifically, what is it that we should be asking for in our prayer? In today's gospel, we hear it said, what father among you would hand his son a snake when he asks for a fish, or hand him a scorpion when he asks for an egg? Sometimes it seems to me that we can actually be the ones to be asking God for the wrong things. In other words, we can be the one asking for the scorpion or the snake, albeit not necessarily knowing what it is that we're asking for. I think the most important thing to be able to ask God for in prayer, the most essential thing, is to pray 
for a desire to be holy, to pray to be holy, to pray for the Holy Spirit to inundate and penetrate our lives so that we can live in communion with God. Um, these really are the most important things that we can be praying for, to pray to do God's will, which is really part and parcel or synonymous with holiness, living God's will and the day-to-day -day life. Yes, there are a lot of immediate needs that present themselves to us, and we all get concerned with our health when we get sick, and it's good to pray for health. It's good to pray for success in life and for good things in life. All of that is fine. But the most important things are, Lord, help me to be holy. Help me to do your will. Help me to always live in communion with you, in communion with the Holy Spirit. I think when this becomes our prayer, then it really opens us up to a posture of trust and a posture of acceptance to say, my Heavenly Father is good. He's not going to hand me a scorpion when I ask for bread. He's not going to hand me a snake when I ask for an egg. And that posture of trust then says, even the things which are mysterious in life, even the things which are difficult, I need to accept and I need to be open to trusting that my Father is about the work of helping me to become holy, helping me to become more like Jesus. I suppose all of that, in a way, if we believe it and accept it, opens us up to also then accepting suffering as being a kind of gift from God as well that helps us to grow in communion with him and helps us to grow in holiness because let's face it there is nothing which drops us to our knees faster and which purifies us faster than when we encounter and experience suffering in life it's particularly difficult I'm guessing none of us particularly like it but it always has the possibility and great potential to open us up even more to God and to purify us to, to what is really most important in life, which is communion with him. St. Augustine, in talking about prayer, goes on to say that, you know, our hearts oftentimes need to be purified and expanded. He said sometimes we get a little bit closed in on ourselves and our hearts are kind of filled with vinegar, symbolizing Sometimes we're chasing after the wrong things in life. And so he says, really, we need to be purified. We need our hearts to be stretched and expanded for the vinegar to be poured out and for the sweetness of God's honey to be poured into us. And that really kind of symbolizes the process of becoming detached from the things in this world that want to cling to us and distract us from a relationship with God to being more open to those things which lead us into communion with God which truly is the honey and sweetness of our life that we all desire and crave. And so, my brothers and sisters, today as we go forward, let us ask God for the grace that we would always be persistent and persevering in prayer, no matter where we are in our spiritual life, no matter how much we may or may not be struggling, that we would always persevere in prayer. And let us ask God for the grace, the courage, and the perseverance to be able to ask for those things in life which truly help us to become holy, which truly help us to grow in communion with God and live in accordance with his will and with the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Trusting in our Father's love and mercy, let us bring our petitions before him. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, and for all bishops for their physical and spiritual needs. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. 
We pray that human life would be safeguarded and protected from the first moment of conception until natural death, and that the natural law would always be respected in our world. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for peace among nations, among families, and among peoples. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick and the suffering, that they would be given consolation in their faith and experience the healing touch of Jesus Christ. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our family, friends, benefactors, for all those who have asked for our prayers, for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio Media and online, and for all those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for an increase in the desire and fervor for prayer in our lives and to be open to God's will in all things. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the repose of the soul of Vincent Wynne. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for those intentions that we hold in our heart. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Merciful Father, we thank you for hearing our petitions and granting our prayers through Christ our Lord. Amen. Most ancient of all mysteries, before your throne we lie. Have mercy now, most merciful, most holy Trinity. When heaven and earth were still unmade, when time was yet unknown, you in your radiant majesty did live and love alone. You were not born, there was no source from which your being flowed. There is no end which you can reach, for you are simply God. How wonderful creation is the work which you did bless. What then must you be like, dear God, eternal loveliness? Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and good of all his holy church. As we proclaim your wonders, O Lord, in the Virgin, blessed Marie Rose de Rocher, we humbly implore your majesty that as her merits are pleasing to you, so too our dutiful service may find favor in your sight through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just. Our duty and our salvation. Always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for in the saints who consecrated themselves to Christ, for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, 
It is right to celebrate the wonders of your providence, by which you call human nature back to its original holiness, and bring it to experience on this earth the gifts you promise in the new world to come. And so with all the angels and saints, we praise you, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Uncelia Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. When we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember your servant Vincent, whom you have called from this world to yourself. Grant that he who was united with your son in a death like his may also be one with him in his resurrection. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. 
Amen. Precepte salutaribis moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctifice tuum nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicud in celo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum, da nobis hodie, et imite nobis debita nostra, sicud et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. On you stay, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. On you stay, qui tolis peccata mundi, Miserere nobis, agnostei, qui tolis peccatamundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, shall be healed. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you are already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. O Jesus, we adore thee. Who in thy love divine Conceal thy mighty Godhead In forms of bread and wine 
O sacrament most holy, O sacrament divine, all praise and all thanksgiving be every moment thine. O Jesus, we adore thee, our victim and our priest, whose precious blood and body become our sacred feast. O sacrament most holy, O sacrament divine, all praise and all thanksgiving be every moment thine. Let us pray. Renewed by partaking of this divine gift, we pray, O Lord our God, that by the example of the blessed Marie Rose de Rocher, Bearing in our body the death of Jesus, we may strive to hold fast to you alone, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. And Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. Salve Regina, Mater Misericordiae, Vita Dulcedo. Espes nostra salve, a te clamamus, exules filiave, a te suspiramus, gementes ad flentes, in hoc lacrimarum vale. Eha ergo, advocata nostra, ilos tuos. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. 
celebrating the culture of life. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. This is Gabriel from True 